this morning as you came in, each of you were given a marble. I want to start by asking this question. How many of you are related to or know someone who is under the age of 18? If you will, if you're related to or you know someone who is under the age of 18, how about raise your hand? And I want you to look around the room. Everybody. Everybody, you can put your hands down. So as we begin this morning, <clears throat> I just want to say how, how we got here and where we're going. So I believe this marble that you hold in your hand, I, I want you to, if you don't, if you've got it nearby, just kind of hold it in your hand, roll it around. You know, for me, a few years ago, probably back in 2013, I heard a message. I heard a, a, a talk while I was at Catalyst in Atlanta with about 10,000 other Christian leaders in the church, in the world. We had gathered together to, be, to talk about leadership and to be encouraged. And a gentleman by the name of Reggie Joyner, he gave a message, and it involved marbles. And it so impacted my life that I, that story has stuck with me. So this is the first message in a sporadic series, an occasional series that I'll be doing called, it's a visual, it's a visual series. So there are some visual things that I have in my office, in my life, that like they remind me of God's goodness, they remind me of God's greatness, they remind me to keep pressing on, they challenge me, okay? And so this is one of those such messages involving those marbles. And so in a typical year, well, in a given year, we have 52 weeks. You multiply that out by 18 years, you have 936 weeks. From the time that your child is born until they graduate high school or they go off to college. What you hold in your hand is a representation of one week. You see, Reggie Joyner, as he spoke that day, he, he had something very similar to this. 936 marbles. A visual hourglass of our children's lives as i was studying and reading like I, I, re I remember the message and i had to start googling and i don't know if people just didn't blog back then like they do now or whatever put a lot of stuff online but i did find some different things and somebody called my attention to this and so some of you here this morning have kids that fit in this age bracket some of you here this morning have grandchildren or great-grandchildren our nieces our nephews and so we start out with 936 not everybody gets to make it all the way through that 936. I think about my cousin Jennifer that died when she was 10 or 11 years old. She was, oh, man, I'm getting old. She was seven. I was six. She was seven. She only made it to seven years old. That's all they had. That's all the weeks that they had. She was killed in a hit-and-run accident in Conway. I think about one of my classmates, Candace Cunningham. I think about one of my class clowns that was there in one of my classes named Adam Jackson who committed suicide while we were in high school. He, he didn't make it all the way to that 936. He didn't have, maybe he didn't have somebody in his life who could come along and have a safe space for them to go to, uh, be someone that he could lean into. And so if you'll notice this morning, that there's, you know, 4th grade, 468, 6th grade, 364, ninth grade, 208, 11th grade, 104. So for me, like, this is, 
this is depleted when it comes to my daughter, Caitlin. She's 19. She's a freshman in college. It, it's gone. Like, she still lives with us. She better enjoy that, honey. The bills are coming. She's getting a taste of that. She pays bills. She doesn't live there rent-free. She pays her car insurance. We're appreciative of that because I'm cheap, and she's going to pay it. She's going to learn. Nobody gave me anything, so you ain't getting nothing either. Learn the hard way. But let me tell you something. When I sat down to prepare this message and I saw that ninth grade number, I said, holy cow. I have ninth graders. And as I sat there preparing this message, I said, wait a second. Ninth grade is halfway over. I have 184 weeks left. And then I jotted this in my notes. When you realize how little time you have left, you make the most of that time. Because here's the reminder for you this morning, guys. Here's the reminder for you this morning. As we think about my family, as we think about my boys. Those are weeks that have passed. And we will never get those back. Time is ticking. So here, 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 I want you to hear, I want you to hear the burden and the passion of why I share this message. And here's why. Because 76% of Christians accept Christ before the age of 21. Listen, here, here's a sobering fact. 66% of students, they like to be called students now, not youth, by the way. I was in youth ministry, but now they like to be called students. So it's students. 66% of students who were active in their church during high school are no, no longer remained active in the church between ages 18 and 22. Sixty-six percent are walking away from the church. Hello? Ding, 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 ding. Our alarm bell should be going off. Why? Why are they walking away? I have some theories. But listen, Reggie Joyner, he had this to say. The more Christian adult influences a child has, the more likely it will be for that child to stay connected to the church after graduation. There's a book I'm, I, I read through the beginning of. It's, it's called... Engaging Generation Z, the last quote that I just shared from. And this next statement that they made, read this with me. Sobering challenge. Do we see young people as children finishing childhood and thus in need of activities to keep them occupied? Or do we see them as young adults who are disciples ready to engage the challenges of a complex world? What you catch them with is what you keep them with. I'm not saying that kids' ministry, student ministry can't have fun, but there has to be a solid foundation that is laid. There has to be people, Miss Angela, I noticed you, it's got to be people like Miss Angela Jackson who are coming alongside of some of these young people and just being there to maybe check in with them. Or just to say, honey, what's on your heart and mind? And, and finding two or three young ladies and, and going to lunch with them and just, just, just listening and being a part of their lives and, and just pointing them to where her hope has come from in the Word of God. Because I don't know about you, but as we think about this morning, 
here's the thing. My children and my children's children will have to deal with things that we never be- could even imagine. They've got to be rooted and grounded in the Word. Paul says that we should humbly be able to, to give the, uh, the reason for our hope. It's not easy believism. Yes, Christ plus nothing equals everything. If we'll turn to Jesus as the Spirit is working, if we'll turn to Him, confess our sins, and look full into His wonderful face, He will forgive us. But here's the thing. We have to leave what was behind us and to keep walking forward with Jesus on His path. That's simple. But living the life of a believer is not easy. You have a target on your back from the enemy. Listen, I think it was from Engaging Generation Z. They said this, We must tie our students to the family, first to their nuclear family, and then the family of God in a much more meaningful way. If we don't, they simply outgrow their faith. In the first service, you still have the pits, as we'll call them, the pits on the side to where the organ and the piano were. They've since moved the piano. But as I thought about in the first service, I remember vividly when I grew up in a broken home and my parents were separated legally for a year, that my grandparents came alongside of me and invited me into their lives. They invited me to spend the night with them. Now, technically, they were on a fact-finding mission, and I was a little blabbermouth. So, of course, whenever I went to Granny and Gramps' house, well, what's your mom and daddy been up to? Well, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. And then my parents would be like, well, how did they know that? You told them. Why'd you tell them that? But anyway, my, parent, my grandparents invited me. They fed me well. Look, it's still stuck. But not only that, but they took me to church, and I have vivid memories of sitting, feeling special that I was beside my grandmother as she played the organ and as my grandfather preached the Word of God. But here's the thing that I had to come to the realization of when I was in my 20s, is that it was not my grandparents' faith that I could cling to. It had to be my own faith. It had to be a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that Chris Moore had. Not what Tom Moore had, not what Evelyn Moore had, but what I had. That I had to repent of my sins and to seek Him. Listen, as we think about these marbles this morning, we have to start with the end in mind. You'll hear more about that a little bit later in the message. I'm getting to the text. Hold on. I'm getting to the text. We're going to preach and teach the Word of God. Got to set the stage. I think if we start with the end in mind, you have to be intentional. And not only do you have to be intentional, but you have to have a plan and you have to be present. Have a plan and be present. Last night for us, part of being present was my kids enjoy YouTube. I don't have cable. Again, I'm cheap. So I don't have cable, but I have Wi-Fi and we have YouTube. And so we literally sat down for like an hour and we watched like one video we watched was the top two hits of every month from like 1980 to 1990, 1990 to 2000, 2000 to, you know, the 2000s. And so like we enjoyed that and we'd watch, oh, I remember that song, I've never heard that, et cetera. So we were just present in each other's lives. So listen, here's the text we're going to today. The psalmist says this in Psalm 90, verse 12. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. First and foremost, let's touch on this. So teach us to number our days. First and foremost, the Holy Spirit is a great teacher. Amen? The Lord God Almighty is a great teacher. But we're to number our days. We're to number our days. We have a 
we don't have an infant number of days. We have a finite number of days, and we don't know how long that is. So we've got to be intentional. We've got to be present. We've got to show up. I think about what the psalmist says in Psalm 39, verse 4 and 6. Beautiful passage. You've heard me quote from it before. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are not... This is taped in the front of my Bible as a reminder, a constant reminder. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Then I love verse 6. We are merely moving shadows in all our busy rushing ends in nothing. There are some of y'all out there today that are busy doing things that have no eternal value. Stop wasting your time. Psalmist says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What are we, so as we think about this notion of him teaching us, like we're asking, Lord, teach us to number our days that we have a heart of wisdom. Listen, Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. The psalmist goes on to say in Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you, this is the Lord, that I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel, in essence, I will guide you with my eye upon you. Friends, we don't go along. Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us. He goes with us. He goes before us. And he has his eye upon you. But see, here at the end of the day, I think about what James said in the New Testament. James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. So if you want some real application, uh, and it's a little bit easier sometimes to read than, than Proverbs itself, right? Because of the language, the Hebrew poetry. But listen, James says, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you don't ask. Ask. Our, the father that we love, the father that we serve, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Praise God. He's wealthy. He'll open the storehouses of heaven and pour them out into our lives. But look at what else James says. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Listen, we see this in churches all the time. It's got to be my way and what I want. So what do you do? You fight and you quarrel, and it causes division. If, if you give the enemy an a, a entryway, he, it becomes a stronghold, right? If you give him a crack, it becomes a stronghold. And so we need to remember that as we follow Jesus, that it's not we have to be just like Christ. Christ said, not my will be done, but yours, as he talked to the Father. So our prayer at Bethel Baptist Church is, Lord, may your will be done, not ours, not what we want. Get us out of the way. May I decrease and you increase so that lives can be forever changed because God's still in the restoration business. Amen? He's still in the healing business. He's still in the redemption business. The society that we live in, the council culture that is around us, they don't want to hear about the redemption of Almighty God. Christ is still saving and regenerating lives if we'll turn to him. Do we have to answer for some of those things that we've done? Absolutely. But as far as God is concerned, those are wiped away. That, that, that bill that's owed is paid in full. And you can't earn it by good works. You can't earn it by being a good man or a good woman. 
It's by Christ and Christ alone. Look with me in Proverbs as we think about wisdom. As we think about wisdom, I think about in Proverbs chapter 2. Just want to read part of this. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my command commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord God gives wisdom from his mouth, gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up the sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of the saints. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about a message like this, right? Like, I knew that we were going to be here. I knew that I was going to introduce this marvels. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, like this is a reminder, right? It's a reminder. It's a, it's a conversation piece. <clears throat> it's to remind me to be intentional with my life, to be intentional with my time. But here, here's one thing I appreciate is, like I had the skeleton, I had the bones of where this message was, but I left room for God, right? I left room for the Holy Spirit. And so this weekend at the men's conference, this guy got up and he began to talk and he said, look, he said, God didn't call us to raise teenagers, Right? I mean, seriously, because here's the thing. It's a challenge raising teenagers. But here's the challenge. Parents, parents of young children, here's something I want to remind you of. Aunts and uncles, maybe y'all can lean in and help provide some of this. But here's the thing. Get away while your kids are young. Like he said, he said, I've never seen a two- or three-year-old smoke pot. Hello? But when they become a teenager, that's when you got to worry about. So, oh, I can't leave my kids. They're too little. No. Let's pass them along. Let's allow your loved ones to watch them so that you and your husband, because you're meant, God has brought you together as a union, as one. You'll leave your mother and you'll cleave together as husband and wife. And so that three-stranded cord, you've got to both be seeking him. You've got to both be honoring him. So listen to what he said. And this was like, Wow. I'm like, holy cow, I, I, I'm like, i got to share that tomorrow. Listen to what he said. God didn't call me, didn't call you to raise a teenager. He called you to raise a godly man and a godly woman. That changes the playing field, doesn't it? He called you to raise a godly woman and a godly man. So guess what? What you prioritize, your children will prioritize. What are you prioritizing in your life? <clears throat> As I think back, again, weeks have slipped away. Are my children perfect? Absolutely not. Just hang around with them for a couple minutes, a couple seconds you realize that they're not perfect. Can I tell you what? Pray for them. It's hard being a pastor's kid. Some of the things that people have said over the years are just downright hurtful. My kids aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Kendall's not perfect. Austin's not perfect. Kristen's not perfect. Larry wasn't perfect. We're broken people. Seeking the Lord and seeking to make much of Jesus. 
I, I'm just going to state the disclaimer. I'm going to let you down. And I'm going to hurt your feelings. And I'm going to step on your toes. Now, some of, all of that is not intentional. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's sometimes that I'm going to hurt your feelings, and I didn't even realize I hurt your feelings. I could tell you a story, but see me afterwards, I'll tell you that story. <clears throat> but listen, intentional. Knowing, we have a week. This is a week. This past week, it's gone. Do we mess up? Sure. There are things I could do better? Sure. I want to share a story with you. Preface this story. I do not share this story to to bring glory to me. I humbly share this story because of what God has done. Is my family perfect? No. Have we tried to raise our kids the best that we can with God's help? Absolutely. There have been times where we didn't have the answers. and We were about to walk through a valley. We didn't know what was on the other side. And you ask them, and we explained it to them best we could. And we said, you know what? We don't have the answers. Let's pray and seek the Lord. But this picture came up last night. We were... We have a family thread. See, that's a good thing about technology. Hopefully y'all, none of y'all ever see that thread. Um, <clears throat> we, have a, we have a chat thread on our iPhone. And so I got into my photo archives, and, you know, you have face profiles, so I was finding funny pictures of everybody and texting them. But in all seriousness, I ran across this picture. This picture was taken in October 2014. Let me give you a backstory of this picture. I had gone to a church across from Thomas Sumter called New Life Church. God thought so much of this church that he burned it down. They rebuilt it. They renamed it. They named it three different things in four years. It was not a great situation. But I was eager and I wanted to serve the Lord and I wanted to help people meet Jesus and help people take next steps. So we went to this church and we got out there I was in the office one day, and we had a building and no people. Now, I knew of a church, group of people, African-American congregation, that was from Rembert, that was driving past us to the Santee Baptist Association. Now it's moved, but it was on Broad Street. They were driving past us. They had people and had been faithfully praying for two years. I was in that office one day, and y'all, I was praying. I said, Lord, I said, what is... What am I supposed to do with this church, with this building, with this van, with this property? We're faithfully serving, trying to, you know, hope the church will grow, hope people come. They're just not coming. And y'all, that still small voice, I didn't hear an audible voice, but his spirit spoke into mine, and this is what he told me. He said, it wasn't yours before you got here. It's not yours now. Be a good steward. So we went to the director of missions who's over our association and said, look, here's where we're at. I feel like we're supposed to turn all of our assets, everything of this property, turn it over to this other church so they can assume who we were. We'll come back into town and we'll start a new work. And we did just that. 
Y'all, it was a beautiful time in our life. If you would ask me then, towards the end of it, I would have like not been a nice person to be around. God grew me through that. But listen, one thing I can tell you, if, if you have people, you're going to have problems. If everybody showed up at that church, it was called Cornerstone Baptist Church. If everybody showed up on Sunday, we had 14 people. And even within 14 people, a handful of adults and a few children, we had drama. And we had issues. But one Sunday, this Sunday, October the 26th, 2014, I think it was, we showed up. And guess what? Nobody else showed up. And the four of us, now remember I have a family of five. I didn't even have my whole family. But the four of us worshipped. Because the other thing God reminded me of at New Life Church was I would stand at the back. There was a little window. And you drove down a hill to get in there. And I can remember standing back there before the beginning of the service. And I would stare out the window and look at the driveway and say, God, is anybody else going to show up? Is anybody else coming? And he said, are you going to be faithful to what I've called you to do? And so this morning, I praised the Lord. And I thought about the verse, when we're faithful in little... I'm going to butcher this, but when we're faithful in little, you know, he, he apply, he, there, is, there is more applied, right? You can't be faithful in a lot. And so as I look around this room and I see all of your smiling faces, look at what, I, it's an honor and a privilege to stand before you every Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the privilege. As I try to, I'm, I'm, I am imperfect. I have ADHD. I have so many issues. But it's not about me. We're coming together to honor and glorify the Lord. And I just happened to have a big mouth, and I prayed, Lord, use me for your glory. Break me, mold me, and make me into the man you'd have me to be. <clears throat> hey, can I remind you of something, too, as I was studying? I just want to throw a couple just little one-liners out to you. By that, I think I hopefully, maybe I didn't mention this, all of the notes from today's message, just like last week, will be online. We'll be on the website. You go to the news section, the sermon notes, all of the slides will be on there. They're already there. I'll put the sermon audio um, later tonight or tomorrow. But listen, people who used to be known are no longer known. You will die sooner than you think. People, uh, you will be forgotten. And last but not least, you will only be remembered by the people who know you now. Guys, I think about legacy. Legacy comes to mind. Reggie Joyner touched on that. Leaving a legacy has less to do with being magnificent and more with being ordinary and dependable. This generation needs people to come alongside of them and to create a safe place for them to be able to come into. And for, them, for you to be able to sit down with them and say, when they're going through something, be like, honey, I don't know the answer to this, but First Chronicles 16, 11 says, seek the Lord and seek his presence continually. Isaiah says that those who, hold on, see, I ain't, I'm trying to memorize stuff. I'm trying to throw it out. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Take those things, take the things that you're learning in your devotional, take those things you're hearing in messages, take those verses and apply them. Take those verses and share them. Just like I told the men this weekend, Johnny Hunt spoke, 
He's getting old. I don't know if he's forgetful or he's just got a major case of ADHD, but sometimes he's hard to follow. But here's the thing I love about Johnny Hunt. There have been entire messages that I listened to. I couldn't tell you the subject. I couldn't tell you what his main point was, but he's saturated with the Word of God, and those verses stuck out, one of which is Acts 16, 14, that says that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the Word that Paul would bring. As I stand to preach week in and week out, as the ladies come and they gather, as we gather for brotherhood, as we gather for men's conferences, I can't do anything. It's the Lord that's going to have to open their hearts and minds. And so we need to remember that and we need to pray specifically. We need to pray specifically. God answers prayers. He answers specific prayers. When people work, people work. When people pray, God works. So get to praying. Listen, sometimes I have to be reminded, I ran across this as I was just reviewing and studying some things I've been reading. Sometimes I have to be reminded that what I give to my children or what I do for my children is not as important as what I leave in them. Andy Stanley said it best this way, your greatest accomplishment may not be something you do, but someone you raise. That's memorable and portable, amen? That is a good nugget of wisdom. So listen, I want to just ask you this morning, what legacy do you want to leave? Right, as I reminded the first service this, that, that this fellow that this family life center, that the school building, that the education building, that sanctuary, they are all tools. They are not to be worshipped, but they are tools to be used for God's glory. Because at the end of your life, what has had more impact on you? Was it this building or was it the people within this building? And I think we could all agree that it's the people with inside the building that are seeking Jesus, seeking to make much of him, that are coming alongside and providing a safe place for people to believe, belong, and become who Jesus intends for them to be. We're imperfect people. Jesus said that he'd make us fishers of men. Well, the only way we can fish, the only way we can catch men is what if we go fishing? And we're not going to, we can't clean them till, they can't be clean till we catch them. And so you're going to have people that come in and they don't look, they don't smell, they don't act like they should act. Praise God. I want some people like that. Amen. I'm tired of religious people that check religious boxes that do certain things. I want people that don't know what church is all about. Instead of the ones who think that they do, which is not really that, it's rituals and tradition and traditions of men. Here's the thing. I'm going to close, but listen, this right here, I heard Reggie Joyner talk, I got back from Atlanta, drove back, got in early that morning, because it was a Friday afternoon, and then Friday afternoon, came back in, that Saturday morning, I went to the Dollar Tree, and you never believe this, they had the exact number of marbles that I needed, I bought those marbles, went across the street to Michael's, I said, I bought these from the Dollar Tree, I'm trying to find something to fit them in, okay, good, y'all see this, I found this, let me ask you, let me tell you this, I want to close with this, I had, I would put this in my office at Toomey, and people would come into my office at Toomey and say, you play marbles? No, but let me tell you a story, and I'd quickly rattle off, believe it or not, I can do that from time to time, I quickly told them the story that every one of those marbles represented a week that we have in our child's life from the time they're born to the time they graduate. It's a visual hourglass, a visual reminder of that time to be intentional. That's the visual series that I hope to bring occasionally is to have things like these marbles that are in our lives that remind us of what we're supposed to be about.
I'm going to close with this. I take my boys to school, and they probably hate it. I'm not a morning person. If we ever go on a trip, I don't drink coffee. Sorry, Miss Helen, I don't drink coffee. I'm too young. I'll drink a cappuccino or something, frappuccinos, whatever it is, if it's frozen. <clears throat> but I'm not a morning person. And so I take my boys to school sometime, and it's probably it's quiet, awkward, probably the most silence they have in their day. But as they get out of the car, I tell them, have a good day, learn something, and behave. And y'all, there have been times that I drive away and the Lord just reminds me of certain things that I pray for their protection. I pray that they would make good friends. But let me tell you something I heard yesterday. One of the guys at the men's conference shared. What we speak over our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, and our nephews matter. I encourage you to adapt this to your own. But he said this. He said he simply speaks this over his children. I love you. So boys and Katie, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you. Be Christ-like. Have fun and no whining. Right? I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you. Be Christ-like. Have fun and no whining. Fretting is contagious. What do we do with that? Maybe that's another message for another day. But listen, I intentionally left off a verse. So you might be like, what do we do with this? Like, what, what's something I can grab hold of? You grab hold of Psalm 39, verse 7, which says, And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My hope is in you. So this morning, can I simply remind you as we think about these marbles, as we think about the time that, that we have left with our children, our grandchildren, our nieces and our nephews, and we don't really know how to press on, that we need to keep looking up, as the psalmist says, because he is where our help comes from. It comes from the maker of the heaven and the earth. And so we need to remember, like the psalmist says, that he is our hope. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for just a simple marble. Lord, a container of marbles to remind us of how brief our lives with our children are. Father, I pray for our parents in here this morning. I pray for our grandparents, our great-grandparents. I pray for the aunts and uncles. I pray for those who, 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 who love the generation that's coming behind them. And Father, I pray that with all my heart that a simple message like today is just a reminder that we don't have to have all the answers. Lord, you're our hope, you're our strength, you're our rock, you're our refuge. Father, help us to point our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews to you. Lord, help us to be about making disciples, not just entertaining our children, but about truly making disciples and helping them have a deep and abiding relationship with you. Father, the time is nigh. The, the marbles are fading out. They're dropping away. 
And so, Father, I pray for the parents here this morning that they would get a glimpse of that as I have and be reminded that, as I saw this week, that there's less than 200 weeks that I have left. Lord, may I be intentional with that time and and, and just be present in the lives of my children and continue to point them to you. Father, I pray this morning for the one who doesn't know you, maybe the one who knew you before, but like my grandparents, they, they attended church and they walked with you, but they didn't have that personal relationship with you. Father, I pray this morning that they may pray a simple prayer, Lord, that, that you would forgive them of trying to do their life on their own like I did. And, and Lord, that they would turn to you, that they would, they would turn from their sins and seek you, seek your face and seek the gift of salvation that comes only through Christ, Lord, that is accepted through faith and faith alone through Christ alone. And Father, I pray they would turn to you, that they would pray a, a humble prayer, Lord, as, as we see the man in Scripture. He says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the closest thing we see to a sinner's prayer. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, we, we don't deserve what you have for us. But Father, I pray that they would make that decision, Lord. I pray if they're unsure of that, that they would give Pastor Austin or myself or one of the other adults in this room, that they would come and seek us and we could take them through your word and and point them to where our hope comes from. Lord, you are our hope. You are our strength. You're a rock, our refuge. You're our God. You're our teacher. You're our comforter. So, Father, I pray this week as we leave this place, as we have those marbles in our hand, that we would be intentional with what we do with our time that we would love and lead our families well. Father, I thank you for grace. I thank you that we don't have to have it all together. We just have to seek you. Point our children to you. And when we do, you'll speak. You'll work in a way that only you can. So Father, I pray this morning as we leave this place, Help us to hide the truths of your words in our heart that we might not sin against you. Help us to wrestle with what you've shown us today that we might live it out. That we might love and lead like Jesus. For it is, his, it is in his holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.